At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. If you're going through a divorce, right, the first thing you need to do is to cool your emotional brain so that you can engage your thinking brain. Welcome to the High Net Worth Divorce Playbook, where we introduce you to the experts who can inform, guide, and support you through the unique complexities of your divorce. Throughout this series, you will hear from the best of the best on topics including the art of negotiating, how to divide and distribute complex assets, and what you need to know about splitting pensions, what your attorney doesn't know and how that can hurt you, how to find hidden assets, and the key to protecting you and your family's financial future. Welcome to the first episode of the High Net Worth Divorce Playbook. Today, we explore the art of negotiation. And while everyone navigating divorce can benefit from today's information, it is vital for you, the high net worth individual, to understand the value and nuance of skillfully negotiating. Today's expert walks us through the essential steps to negotiate with mastery, including understanding both your legal rights and financial risks, being clear on what you need, and entering negotiations with your rational rather than emotional mind. We explore the subtlety of listening for what's beneath your spouse's position, when to use leverage, and how overcoming your internal resistance is critical to creating a settlement that everyone can feel good about. Today's guest is Gabrielle Hartley. She's a leading divorce attorney, online mediator, and author of the highly acclaimed book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. Gabrielle is known to resolve 99% of her cases at the negotiation table. She's a sought-after divorce expert on dozens of media channels, including the New York Times, New York Post, Vice, Thrive Global, and is a regular guest on an NBC Morning program. Welcome, Gabrielle. Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm excited about today's uh, topic. And before we dive into the details of it, what I would love is for you to share. I know that negotiating is something that's so uh, special and exciting for you. Can you just share a little bit about, uh, about that and your background? Sure. Um, so I don't know. I guess I'm, I was born a natural negotiator. I um, grew up in a environment where people had a lot of different opinions and there was always sort of calm, reasonable discourse within our house. Even when my parents divorced, it was a calm and reasonable separation, although things weren't always easy. Um, and within my family, like on both sides of my family, I have people who are, um, you know, on different, very strong, almost polarized ends of the political field now. And um, negotiating, finding a space of equanimity has always been really important to me because relationships for me are the most important, meaningful, robust, rich part of life. 
even when they're not perfect, especially when they're not perfect. (laughs) Well, that's where the gift is. I think that that's what we say to our clients is the gift is in that imperfection and, and growing and stretching and learning how to engage even so. Exactly. And I love that. That's amazing. So it's like you were born to be a negotiator because from such a young age, I love that you had both the calm and that polarized because that invites in the very skill that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And and I think that people cut off conversations prematurely because of a inner sense of reactivity and almost like a fear that we're not aware of, like different is somehow wrong or scary. And really, if we can learn to take a step back from our reactivity and start truly putting our, um, our I'm gonna say putting our feet in someone else's shoes. Yeah, that's right. That's the right expression. I'm very bad at those expressions. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's where the magic happens, where we can start, you know, getting into possibility and, um, and seeing things through another's point of view. So if somebody, for instance, you know, not, not to be so political, but I'll just say like, if somebody has a, a blue flag on their Facebook feed and you're very pro Black Lives Matter, you might say, oh my gosh, how can they have that? That's so evil. But then you have to like stop and think, well, maybe that person has been a principled, moral, hardworking police officer or their sister was or their brother for their whole life. And maybe by saying defund the police for them, it feels like you are devaluing their entire existence. And it's not actually an attack on Black Lives Matter. So, I mean, that's that's a very hot topic, and I don't mean to, to say that. Um, well, what I mean to say is always stop and think before um, you allow yourself to get too rooted into um, how you're feeling about whatever is happening in your life at any moment. You know, and what I hear you saying in that is uh, there's this, this tendency to jump to judgment. And one of the things we talk to our clients about is replacing judgment with curiosity. And that's kind of what I hear you saying. That's exactly right. I I talk about exploring possibilities Mm. a lot. Um, I talk about what would perfect look from the other person's perspective. Beautiful. Um, There there is a show on, I think it's on Netflix. I've got a nine-year-old and then he was a little younger. It's called it's called brain games. And I, I love it actually. If you want to, you know, watch a, a kid's science show, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. You can tell how old someone is by how long they can stand on one foot. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so on this show, there's a little bit where they show almost like a Rorschach looking image of a, some, some sort of scene or abstract art. And they ask a whole bunch of adults what they see And the adults pretty much uniformly report whatever it is. You know, it looks like people waiting in line to go and see a show. Whereas the kids come up with crazy, really diverse um, descriptions. It's butterflies being released from a, you know, farm. It's, you know, children in school. It's buildings in a city in space, right? And because their minds are open. So on the show, what they do, and I cannot recall if they go back to the same set of adults or a new set of adults, but they give them the instruction to view this inkblot sort of thing, as though they're children again, right? And what it does is it really pushes them to, to become more curious and more creative and explore possibilities. And that's just what you need to do to have an impactful negotiation. Wow, I love that. And and we do, as we get older, I feel like our lens gets narrower unless we become very conscious and intentionally pull it back out, which is what it sounds like you do as you're helping people negotiate. Yeah, and, and I think like for me, getting more rigid in my own thoughts as I became an adult was, um, it was a process for me because I was naturally very open. It's almost like even when I practice yoga, you know, I'm really good at the very bendy things, right? I'm naturally very bendy. And so becoming more, um, clear about what are your thoughts and what are other people's thoughts? It's really important, but, but still holding on to that 
sense of curiosity, possibility, bendiness, flexibility is really important. Because in a negotiation, what we really want to do without, without thinking about it in a, in a rigid way is um, how we move from positions to interests, right? Which is sort of the distinction between needs and wants. And mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we make the person who um, we want something from feel like, hmm, I'm saying this in a backwards way, we want... Um, each party, if we're, if I'm the lawyer or then, or if I'm the mediator, I want each party to feel like their needs are actually their wants, right? Because when wants are satisfied, we're really happy. We're ecstatic, but all that we really need is a need to be satisfied. So when we feel that our needs are our wants, then we're thrilled. Wow. So it's all about how we, um, perceive how we look at things. That's right. I I, want to say how we phrase things so that our interests and our positions become more aligned. So, so let's, let's start at, if there is such a thing, let's start at the beginning and, and you're talking about wants and needs. And so when we spoke earlier, you had said something about the vital importance of gaining clarity. So for our listeners who have this very chaotic life going on and they're very reactive and they're very scared that they're not going to get what they need or what they want, we're going to walk them through this, um, this skill of, uh, of negotiating. So how, how can you guide them to that first step of gaining clarity? So if you're, um, going through a divorce, right? The first thing that you really need to do as, you know, is take a step back, you know, get yourself, if you're not already working with Karen, work with Karen or some other coach or therapist, somebody who can really help you to, um, to take a step back into yourself, you know, do that breathing, do that, all that mindfulness work, all that mantra work, um, because that'll help you um, to settle into cool. The first thing you need to do is to cool your emotional brain so that you can engage your thinking brain. Very well put. Yeah. So, so that's step one, cool that emotional brain. That's actually what better apart is primarily about like, how do we cool the uh, emotional brain? And then, um, and then how do we apply the, uh, our minds to then go into things once we have that cooled off emotional brain. Right. Right. And so the next thing you need to do is to think about how you envision your life and how can you do that? You need to know where you are right now. First thing you need to do is get that financial statement out. And if your court does not have one, first of all, the, the financial statement that your court gives may be too simplistic depending on what state you live in, um, they may not list every single expense you have. You need to really know what you have, what you owe, what you earn, um, and you know what your monthly expenses are. And get really granular in that exercise. You may have a lot of money right now, and you may be, you may be filled with fear that once you separate or divorce, you'll no longer have the money. And and it may be the other way around. You know, I was just going to say that. You know, you yeah. may not have money now. And, and um, it's, it's just the point to start is the point where you're really starting to look into where am I today? That's step one. Step two is thinking about where do I want to be in the future, right? And again, you want to get very detailed. The more detailed you are, the more you're going to be able to do that that um, intermediary step, which is the step where you're putting the pieces together to get from point A to point B. But for lots of people, they live in this fear emotional place for far too long because they can't do step one. It's too scary. It's just too scary. Filling out, of, uh, and it's overwhelming. Filling out a financial statement is like, something that people don't like to think about, they don't like to do. And it's just so elementally important because you cannot get clear on what you need if you don't know what you have. And and I just want to jump in because, you know, as coaches, we're always asking, but the one tell that I do with every single client, regardless of how much 
um, assets or money they have, whatever their financial situation is, is I encourage them to connect with a financial professional, somebody who's comfortable with dollars and cents, because the fear that comes along with money, whether you have millions or almost nothing, there's so much paralysis that happens around the key point that you're making, which is getting really clear about your financial picture. Absolutely. Um, there are people who, who are, um, you know, coaches even, um, in that space that Karen Cello comes to mind. Like there's a lot of different people who do financial coaching and are certified divorce financial analysts who can help you look at not just your picture, as a couple and not just a pick your picture as a couple with two different paths, but, but um, what makes sense for how to extricate your financial entanglements. So, and I know that finance is only half of the picture. The other half is uh, the children. If there are children. Yes. So, and and yet, right. So that finance, uh, I have a divorce um, uh, financial analyst had once said, uh, Marriage is all about love. Divorce is all about money. And so even if you have children, there's such a huge chunk of it that's about the finances. And if there's fear around that, you're back in that emotional brain, aren't you? Absolutely. And so really, you use the perfect word, paralysis. There's so much paralysis for so many people, whether they have no money or tons of money. And it really needs to be um, addressed and just faced head on because once you do that suddenly everything is gonna make sense and so so we're getting clear step one is you're getting clear you're getting granular in terms of what you have now what you ultimately want can we just speak about that for a second because my first thought is well what about the people who are totally unrealistic about what they want yeah and and, and i also want to make a little put a little pin in um or uh what we just said about what you have now um we get really stuck in our spouse, our ex-spouse's narrative of what we have. That's why you need to do your own work. You really need to separate yourself in the financial um, narrative of the spouse. It doesn't mean you can't work together on your financial statements. You might be able to do that. You don't, you know, I'm a big believer that it's not all about the money. I think the money is really important, but that's a philosophical difference. Um, I do think that there is incredible value in how you feel, which of course I'm not, I never suggest people walk away from crazy amounts of money or there, but I'm just saying like, I, I don't believe in fighting for every last penny when it's not necessary, nor do I believe in not giving very, um, it, very generously if that's what makes sense for you and for your family to move forward. So um, now what about people who are unrealistic to get back to your question? Yes. So those people, unfortunately, there are many people who are unrealistic. Um, they just need to really listen to what the experts tell them. A lot of people need to go back to work. They don't want to go back to work. They may need to fill the gap in the money that they had before. Um, some people don't need to go back to work, but they, um, they're just not going to have as much as they had before. And that's just the way it is. I mean, the law is the law. If you do decide to mediate, of course, you can do whatever you want. I tell that to people all the time. I'm, I mediate with people all the time who want to do something other than what a judge would do. And, and mediation is perfect for that. But I do think you're doing yourself a disservice to not get educated first on what the law would allow. And then you can start sort of, you know, making peace with that. And, and that's not easy. That's really hard. But, you know, we, we all get bad news sometimes. And then and we, all get, we all get information. I, I, I had um, submitted my proposal for my next book to my agent and I thought we were done, right? And I got back a note saying, here are the edits that my supervisor gave me. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, you know, and, and my reactive self was like, oh, I'm not doing, like I'm done, right? But right. then of course- I, I slept through the night and I woke up the next morning and I looked at the notes again and I was like, oh, it's not such a big deal. It just seems like a big deal because I was reactive. And I, I just think it's really important. I, I shared that to let you know that we're all reactive. We're all impatient. We all have feelings, right? right? If there's anything 
that I can tell you with certainty from being a divorce attorney and mediator and negotiator for my entire life is that, um, you know, everyone's complicated. And if you're not complicated, someone you're close to is complicated. And you're probably more complicated than you're admitting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. And, and, and um, you know, even when you get to the finish line, there is no, there, there is no finish line, right? Like life is a negotiation and post separation life is certainly a negotiation. And a lot of the negotiating you're doing is with yourself. And you know, that's such a great point because, because you're going through this and, and what I love about this, this topic is if we can, educate people on how to negotiate. You're, you're going to be negotiating post-divorce with your, with your ex. You're going to be negotiating with your children as they grow into adults. You're going to be negotiating throughout your whole life. And so really having some clarity around that skill um, is going to bring a level of ease. And the fact that you started the conversation saying, calm the emotional mind. I mean, that's something we all are going to have to learn to do when we get news that feels bad for the rest of our lives. Right, and so this is, yeah. right with our kids, with our right. families, with our friends. I mean, calming the emotional mind is, is life's work, really. Right. Oh, right. Just there you go. You're, you're singing our tune. Absolutely. Um, so, so that next piece, Gabrielle, is uh, education. And, you know, in the day of the internet, like people sometimes go to the wrong place to get information. A lot of times our clients will say, well, my husband said, or my wife said, or my friend said, and it's like, they're not the experts. Their experience isn't necessarily going to be your experience. So I just want you to be crystal clear with our listeners about what they should do. Um, to get educated, and especially if they are thinking about going to a mediator who is a neutral, what do they do to get educated? So there's a, a bunch of different things I actually think that you should do before you even start mediating, okay? So the first thing that you should do is listen to or read a couple of books about divorce, you know, some of the books by divorce lawyers, Laura Wasser has one, um, Jacqueline Newman has one. I have one. They're all different. I actually would suggest you read all three of those books <laughs> because we're all different um, in how we approach divorce. And um, I think that they taken sort of as a set. If there were a box set, I should talk to them about making up the box set. <laughs> That's um, a great idea. That really give you sort of like the full suite of how a divorce can run. Um, there's older books by Raul Felder. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so so books, but that's not going to tell you the law. That's just going to tell you how things can go, what you want to think about, what the considerations are. Um, so so if that feels like too much work or you're like, there's no way I'm doing that, what you want to do is go and meet with a lawyer or two or maybe three in your town and find out what your rights are. Because you cannot make educated decisions without knowing what, you, where, what your exposure is, what your risk is, in other words. So you need to know when it comes to courts and judges and decisions, you know, that stranger in black robes is never gonna hear your whole story. He or she is never going to care about some of it or it's not gonna be legally relevant. It's not gonna matter. So um, understanding, though, how the judge would rule is really important. And understanding that how the judge will rule will really depend a lot on, yes, the law, but also on the judge's temperament, on how the judge felt that morning, what the judge thinks about you, what the judge thinks about your ex. I mean, it's human or she's human. The judge is human. So to that point... If you, if there's like an egregious affair, some lawyers say, oh, well, the judge is human. They're going to hear it. They're going to care. Well, to the, let me just be clear. The extent that they'll care is if you have two properties of equal value and somebody treated somebody else, one of you treated the other really poorly, the, the aggrieved party, the hurt one is likely maybe to get the property that you're both wanting, but it doesn't mean you're going to get more money, right? Like, like the value would be the same. So may you curry some favoritism? Yeah, maybe you'll get like, you know, you, you both want all, you, you both want the even years for April vacation. 
maybe the one who's hurt is going to win on that smaller point. Right. But don't delude yourself into thinking that you're going to get more because you were hurt in court. So, okay, so I say all that because when you go to your lawyer, depending on who you go to, you run the risk of sort of being all juiced up to thinking that you're going to get some great outcome. Remember, lawyers are paid to argue and win on arguments. And depending on how the lawyer that you hire's firm runs, some lawyers will create really big arguments out of really small issues. There are times where it's important to argue over the point of something, right? The principle of the thing, because you're showing your ex that you're not going to put up with that sort of behavior anymore. I totally support that 150,000%. However, you should really, you know, ask yourself what things are worth before you start running to court to file. Absolutely. So I don't know if I answered your question. No, that was perfect. The only caveat I have is um, one of the things I've noticed is people will go to attorneys who don't specialize. Oh, oh, oh. There's yes. a whole section in my book about that. Don't go to the fa- don't go to your family's lawyer. Don't go to the guy who did your closing. Don't go to a criminal lawyer. Go to somebody who does just divorces. Like if they maybe also will do like the deed, fine. Right. They'll do like a simple will that's like you know no trust, just like super duper simple. Okay, but I don't even think so. I think go to somebody who just does divorces. Like all I do is divorce. That's all your lawyer should do because I'll tell you what happens. I've been to court many, many times and the lawyer on the other side is, they might be very good lawyers. They might be very kind, smart, well-intentioned people. But if they don't know what, how divorce really works, you're going to find yourself in lots of needless, useless arguments that don't need to be happening. Fighting about things that aren't even on the table. So that's perfect. So I think that that's so important is make sure that you're going to someone who specializes in Thank that. Thank you for saying that, Karen. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's happened so often. And I'm like, like, you know, this generalist who does like two divorce cases a year, that's, that's not the person you want to be going no. to. Um, so, so you're going to go to this matrimonial attorney. You're going to find out um, not opinion, but fact on the law. This, these are the facts. These are the rules. These are the guidelines. You need to go in with good questions because so many times people will come to me, Oh, I met a lawyer, you know, and then they come and they want to start mediating. And in my first mediation session, we don't make any decisions. It's just all process anyway, but I'll ask questions. Did you cover this? Did you cover that? And they're like, Oh no, like you don't think your lawyer is just going to tell you everything you need to know. And you know what? That would be something that we should put together is a really good list of questions. Like that would be it's such... It's in the book. Beautiful. So in Better Apart, um, there's a whole list of questions. And that's so important because when you go in and you have just one hour, you don't want to start telling a story about something and going off track. You want to know what you want to walk away with. I would even go so far as to say before your meeting email the lawyer and say something along the lines of, hi, when I come in, I'm going to have a whole story to tell you. Please make sure I stick under 10 minutes to tell you the story. I want to be sure to address these issues with you. One, two, three, don't don't give them 40 issues unless you want to pay for two or three hours, which is fine, right? right? Give them all the issues and say, do you need, what information from me do you need to be able to best answer these questions? Because for instance, if you want to know what you're going to get in child support, you better know what your spouse makes or just understand they can't give you answers. You know, they can tell you what the formula is, but you know, the information you get out is only going to be as good as the information you get in. But again, getting back to clarity, back to being a good negotiator, you need to know everything that you have today, picture what you want in the future. Think about how you're going to get there. And this is internal work. This is really heavy duty negotiating with yourself. What do you have to do? How do I get from being a victim to a visionary? 
Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy-to-digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Perfect. So, and, and actually the next thing I wanted to ask about was now that they have the list together, one of the things you said was um, to get clear on your priorities. Um, and so that what's most important to you. And so that's what you're starting to talk about now. Um, uh, I remember you saying something about what you focus on is going to impact the negotiation. And so, um, you know, someone often there's like a whole plate of things that someone wants, but but you're not going to get everything. And so what is that piece of setting priorities or knowing where you have flexibility and, and where you feel at least seem to be locked in? Yeah. And, and so, so that's, first of all, we're, you're probably locked in on like really just 1% of everything, unless you have like, obviously if there's like abuse, neglect, you know, whatever, but like you, we all have a lot more flexibility within us than, than we think we do. So I just want to invite you to allow your flexibility to shine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but get it. It's really important that you, in your own mind, one by one, you address all the issues. Because if you don't do that, and I'll break that down for you, but if the trouble is if you do not do that and you are hyper-focused on custody, let's say. I don't care about child support. I just want custody. Don't worry about it. Just get me custody. I've had that client. And then you get them custody. And then two months later, they're like, oh, I need more child support. Well, now I can't refile for more child support until a certain period of time elapses. Like, So now the client did get custody and the client was thrilled. However, there was a lot of waiting that she didn't necessarily anticipate. Um, in that person's particular case, it worked out because a few months later, she got the, she got the money and she got, and she had the kids, but you don't know what you're going to be able to change after the fact. And if you go into your lawyer saying, I don't care about um, category X, and that's not really true in a global perspective, you need to know that later on, you're going to be unhappy with that lawyer. And it's not really going to be that lawyer's fault necessarily um, if they raise the issue to you and you pushed it aside, because you're, you're a free thinking adult who makes decisions, right? So, so what you should do is write down the categories, custody, child support, legal custody, like break down custody into legal custody, residential custody. Maybe you have spheres of control when it comes to custody. Talk about the house. Do you care about the house? Do you just care about where you live? Do you care about stability? Like, what are your driving factors? What about pension? What about 401ks? What about inheritance, right? Um, what, what do you think the parenting plan should be? I mean, there are so many details. What nights matter to you? How many years do you think you need alimony? Do you need alimony? Do you have ability to get alimony? Have you worked? What's your plan to get back to work? How long is it going to take? Do you need to be retrained? Maybe you need some money to go back to nursing school. There's a lot of people who, who want to go back to nursing school. Um, you know, do you need runway to get things in order? Are you having a, have you, do you have a substance abuse problem right now that you never had before that you need a um, sort of some, some um, time to heal and you need a, a custody that gets phased in, a custody plan? I mean, this there are complicated, hard things that happen when people get divorced. People act, people, I, I feel like I see good people at their worst time. Yes. You know, my friend who is an OB, I always say like when something goes wrong, she sees, you know, she sees all people at their best time, good and bad, right? right. I see, I see really wonderful people who have really hard times. You know, people have breakdowns, people get physically abusive where there's really no abuse in the family, but, but the tensions are so high yes. that there is episodal violence. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of emotion here. And there, there are behaviors that couple 
with those emotions. So how do we keep a clear head when we or our spouse it has an addiction problem, is behaviorally compromised, is acting flashy when it comes to custody, you know, uh, not being consistent. How do we keep our cool? We keep our cool by getting clear, by becoming a visionary, by listening, active listening. You need to know what, what is the pain that the other party is feeling. That, that transcends divorce. That's like in your life. Where is the other person's pain, right? And when you, when you understand that, when you can start meeting their interest, meaning like the thing they really need, suddenly the positions will shift. And, and, and I, I think that that's been sort of my secret sauce or my magic in resolving cases is figuring out how to give both people what they actually need. Because yeah, once you do that, the whole thing resolves. It doesn't mean everyone's thrilled, but they're good enough. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, I think it's, it's fair to say very few people walk away completely happy. Like everybody compromises, everybody bends, everybody has flexibility. If you start off as a steel pole, at some point you become a garden hose. You have to, you have to have some flexibility. Um, and, and there's two things that, that you're saying that I kind of want to um, uh, kind of summarize. I'm hearing <clears throat> you have to get granular, really, really granular, and you have to find the gray. The more you stay in the black and white, the more you're that steel pole instead of the garden hose. When you get, when you start seeing the gray and the, and I love what you're saying, cause it's like, you might go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a big issue. Take every issue, get granular and find the gray in every single issue. And then you're coming to the table with that flexibility. Exactly. Because it's, it's almost like the, um, the classical artists, right? They learned how to paint really beautifully, um, with the right proportions and the right coloration and the use of light. And then they could blast open and that's where the impressionists were born. Right. And, and sort of like that, it's like, you're becoming your own impressionist and you're like, you're an artist, you're creating something where there's nothing you're taking the power back. That's really important. There's a very big sense of powerlessness when we're in conflict, especially where we feel that there is an imbalance of power, whether or not, there is, if we feel that there is, then there is, right? And so how do, how do you take back the feeling of control? Clarity is going to be what helps you. But again, if you are not emotionally clear, if you don't have your, you know, your thinking brain screwed on, like we're in kindergarten again, but it's really true. You need that thinking brain screwed on. And, and again, it goes for all of us. I don't care if you run a hospital, a Fortune 500 company, or if you are a cashier in a grocery store. All of us are at risk of being emotionally dysregulated, and that's okay. It's human. So just like, where do you go from here? You know, you, you take control of yourself, of your life, and you do that financial statement. You figure out what parenting plan works for you. You know, read up about what the different kinds of parenting plans there are. Figure out um, how you can balance your style with the other person's style where the whole ongoing rest of your life with them is going to be a negotiation. Right. And, and on that, that piece of, you know, we get reactive when we feel we don't have control. And, and what Gabrielle's saying here is the place you do have control and the place you can feel like so empowered is when you focus on what you need, what you have, when you do your inner work and when you look granularly at this, then you start, then you can enter that negotiation feeling like you have some power and control. You're going to be less reactive if you feel empowered. You're going to be more reactive if you feel like you have no control you're also going to feel better about your life. Like as you move forward, right. you're going to look back on your marriage, your divorce and your life after your divorce in a better way, you know, because people, it unprocessed emotion comes out in funny ways. You know, you, we've all been to the, to the um, restaurant with the person who sends back every meal, right? It's because they didn't process their anger and their divorce and they're taking it out on the chef. I mean, it's going to come up. So best to process now and to negotiate from a place of understanding. That active listening piece cannot be underscored enough.
So here we are, we've, we've got really granular and clear on all of these different um, areas that we need to discuss. Um, there, there's two topics that I, I still want to talk about. One is you had mentioned exposure or risk and understanding that. Can you just tell our audience a little bit about what that means and where that comes into this big picture? Absolutely. Um, a classic example would be for alimony or maintenance. So you may decide or the law may dictate that there is no alimony right now or there's very limited alimony right now. Um, but you may have the right to it in the future, okay? Now, the payor has risk of having to pay alimony in the future, and they may want to, or if you're the payor, you may want to limit that risk or exposure. So how do you do that? You do a calculation of what that alimony may be over time, whatever, whatever time period it would be payable, and then you discount that to some amount, and then you pay it, up front to have a full waiver going forward. For instance, if you are on the risk potentially to pay over time $3 million, right? But you wouldn't even start paying it for another eight years. Maybe you'll pay $750,000 right now because why such a big discount you might be thinking? Well, because now this, your spouse is freed to remarry right? It's a big risk because if they remarried in most places, you wouldn't have to pay alimony anymore. So, so there's always like the risk benefit analysis. Um, same thing with, you know, do you want the house or the pension? So that that's exposure in your own life. What's more important to you? That's not necessarily a risk in court, but it's risk. You know, do I want certainty now? Do I want certainty in the future? And, and what's interesting is as you're saying that, I think that I'm thinking this is where I would need my financial professional to help me because dollars and cents aren't equal. So you could have, you know, a million dollars in a pension and a million dollars in a home, but they're, but, well, but the value. But it's not just that because you wouldn't like, if you have a lawyer or a mediator who knows what they're doing, they're not going to do it like that. You're, what you're going to do is you're going to take the value of the pension and right, you're, right. you're going to um, decrease it by something between like 20 and 30% because of penalties and taxes. There's a tax impact for the pension, of course, for the trade, right? So I wasn't suggesting you do an, a, an apple for an apple. I was doing like, but what you may need more is in the future when you're not able to work, you want to know you're going to have a stream of income. Whereas now you might be younger and more able to make do with a lesser home, right? So a lot of women who are less um, financially inclined, unfortunately, have a um, tendency to go for the here and now and not worry about the future as much. And that, in my opinion, is a very big mistake. So, so you want to speak to your attorney, you want to talk to your financial planner, you really want to understand that whole piece. Um, you had told me there's one thing that really stops the negotiation from flowing and, um, and it was resistance. And so can we just, you know, before we wrap up, I really want to talk about that because that sounded like such a key to the whole big picture. Okay. And I, and I want to say one more thing about what you just spoke about. Like you want to talk to your financial planner, you want to talk to your lawyer, you do not want to substitute the judgment of one for the other. Because the financial planner may have a lot of good ideas that are not actually great legally, or they're not, they're not thinking it all the way through. Same goes for the lawyer. I am a big proponent of working in a team. I love working with a team. So, you know, the lawyer should not pretend to be a financial analyst, and the analyst should not pretend to be a lawyer. You should work together. Now, if you happen to have someone who's both, that's fine. But I think that a little bit of money that you can spend to have that financial person look things over in a very clearly articulated way and run it through the lawyer and they do it together, you're going to have a better plan. And okay. I think especially as we speak to the high net worth um, community that's listening in, that there's a lot of money on the table. And so it's so important to understand all of the pieces and have the, I, how you said it, it's like 
an attorney is specializes in the law and hopefully negotiation. A financial planner it specializes in money, but they don't necessarily know the nuances of the law. And so having both and hearing both and, and even having the two of them partner together to support you. And again, listen to yourself, listen to your spouse, listen, your, your professionals, the, those are separate people from you. They have a different worldview. They, they, you do not need to just listen blindly to what they say, but listen to them to get information. And if you're not really good at holding financial information in your mind, even if you have a lot of money, doesn't mean you really like love numbers, um, bring someone with you. Ask if they can rec- if you can record the meeting. A lot of people don't like being recorded, but many people, many more people are opening open to you bringing, you know, a friend, a mother, a trusted confidant, somebody who don't have to pay because for you it may be a very emotional experience. Um, so getting to your question about resistance. Yes. So so resistance. There's a couple of things about resistance and also um, terrorism in negotiation, right? So like when there's a terrorist at the table, that's when you need to go to court. When the other person absolutely will not bend on anything, because as long as they'll bend on a lot of things, you can still work it out. You may have to give in on like the things that are super important, but guess what? You might get to get something that you never thought they'd give in on in order for them to get the thing they really care about. So that's, that's a really big deal. You know, you're, you might have a, a wife who really cares about Christmas Eve, but she's got more money than you. And, you know, maybe some of it is premarital. She might give you $50,000 to have all the Christmases. I mean, and maybe that's okay. Like, I mean, I, I don't mean to, sh- to trade money and kids because you should obviously never do that. But just as a, an example of two sort of strong things that you may each want that you may be able to resolve. Um, when we're resistant, that's the perfect place to start figure, figuring out where our resistance is coming from, right? Um, and go deeper into yourself. That's where the work with the coach comes in. That's where the work with, start doing meditation, yoga, you know, mindfulness, all of these things. I know everybody's talking about them. What do they really mean? It's just ways to clear your mind. So like, I love deep breathing. There are so many apps for it. I do it with my clients. When I first meet with them, I often, I just show it to them. We do it once. I invite them to do it at home. I, you know, I don't do it like every time we come together. I think that'd be like weird for a lot of people, but you know, just doing like square box breathing, like in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four and do a box, you know, um, that really can shake up the, the resistance that you're feeling. Something else that you can do is take a walk in the middle of the mediation. You're starting, you're, you're feeling really rooted into your position. Just ask for a break. Even when you're mediated, mediating online, say, let's take a 10 minute break. Everyone set a 10 minute timer. Everyone takes a walk and then you come back to the computer. I do that all the time. If you are getting stuck on a topic in the mediation or in a conversation, you're not in mediation. You're just, you know, move on to an agreeable topic. Because, you know, we're wired to be more flexible or to hear negative feedback when we're be when our needs are met, when our sort of kitty is full. So try to figure out all the things you can give to the person who wants it from you. You're more likely to get what you are looking to receive from them, right? Like the little bit of butter goes a very long way. Yeah, so that's that's such an interesting thing because I think that's where most people just dig their heels in and they have such a story about the other person and and especially if like he or she is the villain, you know, I'm not giving, they would never be like that never always like locked yeah. in thing. So go listen to the Frozen soundtrack, Let It Go, learn the words, sing it, have a good cry. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not even being funny. Like, like you can hold on to that narrative if you feel that it's serving you, but it's not serving you. Unless you are deep in your pain, in which case you really may need to be anger, angry because anger um, is palliative. Anger will, will help you through the hardest times. But when you no longer need that, when, you're, when you've processed somewhat, um, when the grief has moved on, let it move on. You know, 
go away for a weekend where you're journaling all weekend or crying all weekend. Like, and I don't mean, I mean, now it's COVID. You can't go anywhere. Go in your room and close the door, right? Like you need to feel the feelings and you need to let them go because if you don't let them go, you're going to live with them. Nobody else is going to live with them. Just you. Know, you. And, and, and I think that the, the key to what you're saying, Gabrielle, is, you know, we're, I always say this, we're so <clears throat> clear on the other person's shortcomings, the other person's fault. And it's like, you know, our coaching is all about look in the mirror and start focusing on you. Like, what it, where are you at? Where, where do you still have pain? Where are you in the grieving process? Where are you reactive? Where, where are you behaving in a way that's moving you further away from what you want rather than closer to it? And exactly. when you focus on that, you begin to do that work. That's, that's a work that's going to serve you, not just through your divorce, but for a lifetime. Yeah. And, and it, and it transcends divorce. I mean, this work transcends divorce. You happen to be a divorce coach. Um, but really it's, it's life skills. These are really skills on how to get along in life. If you don't, if, if you, if you don't know what you want, a, you're not going to get the things you want because you're just going to have the, the random firings of the universe coming at you rather than clearly articulating your path forward. That's number one. Number two, your relationships are going to be more complicated when you always have your own blinders on, when you, when you don't take that extra step back. And, and I'm guilty as it, as anybody else, right? Yeah. Like we teach what we need to learn, right? So like, I mean... It's just true. That's why they have that expression. We we have our blinders on and we have to, after we feel our feelings, say, okay, what's going on here? Why am I feeling like this? How can I move my own energy forward? Because I can't control the other guy. All I can do is listen, look, think, articulate through and transcend. That That's my only choice. I can't I can't change their toxic behavior. I can't change the, the demons in their minds. I can only deal with, I, all I can do is like create the gladiators in mine. Right? And, and, and it's, you know, all of those triggers, it's about being able to unplug your triggers, being able to heal, being able to refine so that as you go forward, regardless of the personalities and circumstances that you face, you remain centered, you remain honoring your values, your ethics, your way of being in the world. Right. And that, that's where you're going to get to joy. That's it. Right. And we want, that's where we all want to be. Right. We don't want to live in victimhood. We don't want to live in conflict. We don't want to live in all of those intermediate. I mean, forgiveness and compassion is great, but like, what's the goal here? Joy. We want to feel good. You know, um, my father passed away a month ago and um, he had a little talk with my son the day before my nine-year-old. And he said to him every day, do something or learn something interesting, make some money and have a lot of fun. Wow. What a beautiful message to leave for your son. Yeah. I, I felt really um, fortunate. He, the other, the older two, he just bossed them around about something. <laughs> Each kid got a few minutes of them, but the little one, yeah, he said that. And um, I didn't hear him, but my son told me and I, yeah, I feel very grateful. And I think that's really good, good messages, you know, yeah. do something interesting, make some money. I think he said, make a lot of money and, and, and have fun, yeah. have fun. And how are you going to feel good you know, that's the other thing. You don't want to be a victim in your negotiation, right? You don't want to let it happen to you. So if you don't do the work now, you don't do the hard part now, you're going to make it a lot harder for you yourself later. Yeah. Because you may make choices that you can't undo. You can't redo your, your property distribution. You can't redo the harmful things that you said to your best friend. You mean, I mean, this is global. This really is. And so take these skills, you know, the skills of, of stepping back, figuring out what you need, what you need, not what they need. Listen to what they want. Listen to what they need. Right. But don't, that's, that's not, that's not the part that's separate from what you need. And then there are usually ways to do both. There are usually ways. It's pretty magical. It's very rare that you both want competing things. Yeah, and I want you to, before we end, you had said something to me when we first met about 
your ability to negotiate. And I would love to wrap it up with like, you were the person that, that closed things before they went to, to trial. Can you just say that in your words? Because I want people to really get your skill. Like you have this amazing skill based on everything you just said. And what was the thing that you accomplished? Who were you? I, I always say, well, I'm not a magician. And I have a client who says to me, so says you. Um, <laughs> um, but so what I did when I worked for the judge in New York City is my job was to close the cases that were right about to go to trial. The most high conflict, unresolvable, you know, entrenched cases. I was the closer. That's what I did. And I closed hundreds, I think about like in the 800s cases in the the years that I was with the judge. And um it was, it was really, it was wonderful. I mean, I never had so much fun and that people say to me like, how can you stand it? And I, I just, I love it. You know, um, there's the assistant to the judge here in Massachusetts actually has commented to me. Like if I have a case that I can't resolve, he's like, you can't stand not being able to resolve a case. And no, I really can't. And I am very proud to say that is I'm really bad at a lot of things, but I'm really good at this. So, um, yeah, we all, we, we all can find our sweet spots. And I guess mine is um, helping people through high conflict, divorce mediation. Um, so beautiful. And you have a book coming out? Uh, actually, I have a book out right now, Better Apart. And the other book is still in the work. So I am not at liberty to discuss, but it, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's on topic to negotiating. And um, I will be sharing that with you as soon as I have further news about it. But it's beyond the divorce sphere. Excellent. And can you just tell us a little bit about Better Apart as we wrap up? Absolutely. So Better Apart is really a method um, to help you go through the divorce from inception or even considering, do I need a divorce, right? There's a whole pause section. It goes through patience, respect, peace, clarity, and forgiveness, all about you and how to deal with all the things that come up through the divorce. That's the first half. The second half of the book are all the nuts and bolts. How do I pick a lawyer? What are, what are the different ways I can get divorced? How do I figure out my financial picture? What is the custody plan that's just right for my clients? And all the aftermath of divorce. And I have been told by a lot of people that they wish they had had better apart when they were getting divorced because it could have saved them a lot of unnecessary arguments. It's, it's a book of perspective shifting. Um, and, and I wrote it with the hope of letting people know that they're really not alone. They are really, really not alone. After sitting with thousands of people, um, I, I always wished that there was a way that I could sort of convey that and let people feel held. And so better apart is really my gift, um, to, to, um, hand to you, even if you can't work with me one-to-one, um, you know, for economic reasons or otherwise, this book really gives you a lot of um, insight, hopefully. And and on that last piece, uh, I was very surprised when you told me that you're a mediator, but you can mediate across the country. Yes, absolutely. So what I do, if I'm mediating with you in um, Massachusetts, I do it from soup to nuts, absolutely everything. If I do it in New York, I can do your separation agreement. The whole rest of the country, I mediate, I bring to terms of agreement. So we do all the hard part of your divorce. We settle together. And then we deliver those terms of agreement to mediation-friendly attorneys who will then just put it in the right format for your state and file the other documents. And you can really do things in a very smooth way with me. So you can find me online at gabriellehartley.com and message me if you're interested in learning about um, using my mediation services or also legal strategy services. Beautiful. So, and all of that will be in the show notes. And as you can see, Gabrielle is so passionate about negotiating. She has such an incredible track record. So if you're listening, you want to stay out of the courts because the courts are closed anyway, and you want to do this in a way that honors who you want to be, Gabrielle is your girl. Reach out, buy her book, read her book, um, engage with her in, in mediation, and we wish you a, a smooth mediation and a beautiful, peaceful, joyful life post-divorce.
I, I also just want to say that if you go to GabrielleHartley.com, I do have a um, Survive and Thrive bundle that you can pick up um, very easily in your inbox. And you also might want to check out the Better Apart blog, where I have weekly contributions from divorce experts from around the world. Beautiful. Thank Gabrielle, you so thank you so much. This was just, this was brilliant and so jam-packed with good information. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll be back again next week, so stay tuned. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.